0: Sermon 8 of Malachi, from Hori Homiletiki, by Charles Simeon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Immutability of God. Malachi 3.6 I, the Lord, change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. There is not anything in the whole creation that is in itself immutable, the angels indeed are by god's gracious favour established so that they are no longer in any danger of sinning but the fall of the apostate angels sufficiently shows that the highest creatures are changeable in themselves and that their stability whatever it be is derived from and dependent on the power that formed them As for man, he is in a state of continual change. Some of us are yet in a state of childhood, some are grown up to maturity, some have arrived at the period when nature hastens to decay, and when their great last change is near at hand. But all are changing every day, every hour, every moment. Like the earth which we inhabit, we have our revolutions of day and night, summer and winter, and in a short period shall undergo an infinitely greater change than any we ever yet experienced. But there is one who changeth not, even Jehovah, from whom all other beings derive their existence. This immutability he claims as his prerogative and mentions it as a source of unspeakable blessings to his people. In considering his words, we shall notice 1. The immutability of God The gods of the heathen were frail and perishable, being wood and stone, but Jehovah is immutably the same, first in his essence. There is nothing from without that can affect a change upon him, because all things were formed by him and depend upon him for their agency and existence. Nor is there any principle within him that can operate to produce a change, because a contrariety of principle would argue imperfection and consequently be a denial of his godhead. Besides, if he were to change, it must be either for the better or the worse. If for the better, he was not perfect before, and if for the worse, he would not be perfect now. In either case, he cannot be God. His very name, Jehovah, implies and supposes immutability. Second, in his perfections. He ever was and ever will be the same holy and just and good and merciful being that he now is. He was not more just when he condemned the fallen angels, nor more merciful when he sent his only begotten Son into the world. In the one case he displayed his justice, and in the other his mercy, more than he had done before. But his perfections in either case remained the same. He is a rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. Third, in his purposes everything is done agreeably to his eternal purpose which he purposed in christ jesus our lord god is said indeed to have repented that he had made man and that he had raised saul to be king he also revoked the sentence denounced against nineveh and Hezekiah. On these accounts he may be thought to have altered his original purpose, but he speaks only after the manner of men, who change their conduct in consequence of a change of mind. God knew from the beginning what he would do, and the change was not in his purposes, but in his dispositions according to his purpose. Fourth, in his promises. All the promises of God in Christ are yea and amen if we ever imagine that they fail of their accomplishment it is wholly owing to our own infirmity there is no foundation whatever for any such apprehension for his gifts and calling are without repentance we must distinguish indeed between the promises that are conditional and those which are unconditional those which are conditional are of no force if the condition whereon they are suspended be not performed and in reference to those god said to his people ye shall know my breach of promise but the unconditional promises such as that which says the gates of hell shall never prevail against the church are as firm as omnipotence can make them heaven and earth shall pass away but not a jot or tittle of god's word shall ever pass away in the day of judgment every believer will be constrained to confess that of all the good things which god had spoken concerning him not one has failed nor is this a mere speculative truth but one in which our welfare is deeply involved This will appear if we consider, too, the benefit we derive from it. To this alone can we ascribe it, that we have not long since been consumed. The Israelites in this respect were types of us. They were a stiff-necked people that deserved on 10,000 occasions to be destroyed utterly. Moreover, if left to themselves or to their enemies, they would again and again have been consumed. But God spared and preserved them for his word's sake. He had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that in their seed should all nations be blessed, and on that account, though he visited the Israelites with many judgments, he did not wholly destroy them. He changed not, therefore they were not consumed. And what other reason can be assigned for our continuance on mercy's ground? Have we never merited excision? Search and judge. Have we no enemies who would gladly execute upon us the divine judgments? if they could gain permission. What else do Satan and his hosts so earnestly desire? Have we no inward fire which, if suffered to burst forth, would affect our ruin? We should soon follow Judas and Ahitophel, if God should withdraw from us his restraining grace. Have we not at some time or other been, as it were, within a hair's breadth of ruin, either from sickness or accident, or from some foul transgression which would have issued in final obduracy, Let us then give God the glory. Our preservation has not been the effect of our own wisdom, or strength, or goodness, but of God's unchangeable love and mercy. It is to his immutability we owe it, that, notwithstanding all our provocations, he has not been stirred up to destroy us. Had he been mutable like us, his wrath would long since have broken forth against us and consumed us utterly. In this view, the Holy Scriptures uniformly represent our obligations to the Deity moses traced to this source even to the immutability of jehovah the continued mercies which israel experienced in his day in the psalms god himself has been pleased to show explicitly in what manner he will deal with his offending people so as to reconcile their welfare with his own veracity by the prophet isaiah he expresses a holy jealousy lest his dispensations should be misconstrued as violations of his word and declares that whatever come to pass in the course of his providence he will never break his covenant with his people nor suffer his kindness to depart from them in short the whole volume of inspiration attests the same blessed truth that we are not consumed because the divine compassions fail not and that the lord does not forsake his people because it hath pleased him to make them his people. Infer, first, what evidence we have of the divinity of the Lord Jesus. Immutability is the unalienable prerogative of the deity. Creatures may be fixed by God in the condition in which they are, but as they have only a derived existence, there must have been a period when they began to be what they were not before but jesus is and ever has been the same with respect to the nature which he possessed before his incarnation and therefore with respect to that nature he is truly and properly god let us then hold fast this blessed truth and rejoice in christ as an unchangeable saviour second what consolation does this subject administer to believers the frames and feelings of believers are extremely variable but he who hath chosen them has no variableness neither shadow of turning And, whom he loveth, he loveth to the end. Now, this consideration God has endeavoured strongly to impress upon our minds. He has even confirmed his promises with an oath, on purpose that we may derive strong consolation from it. Let every one, therefore, take comfort from it, and be encouraged not to indulge sloth and security, for that were a horrible abuse of this doctrine, but to apply to God for fresh mercies, and to regard past communications as an earnest and pledge of future blessings. Third, what a ground of terror is here afforded to the impenitent? God has said that except we repent, we shall all perish, and that except we be born again, we cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. If, therefore, any impenitent or unregenerate man be saved, God must falsify his word. Oh, that those amongst you who are unconverted would consider for one moment on what ground they stand. Beloved brethren, consider this. Either God must change all you. But will God change? Is he a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should repent? Will he alter his very nature and sacrifice all his perfections in order to save you? All that he can do consistently with his own honour he is ready and willing to do, but you cannot suppose that he will or can divest himself of all the properties of the Godhead to save you in your sins. Know then that there must be a change in you, And if you become not new creatures in Christ Jesus, you must perish. As long as God is true, your doom is fixed. O turn ye then, for why will ye die? End of Sermon 8